Welcome to the Kitchen, Bathroom and Cabinet Design Podcast with your host Hendrik in association with CAD International and the Kitchen and Bathroom Designers Institute. This is the first and only design podcast on kitchen and bathroom design in Australia and we'll be working to bring you some amazing content to teach you the tips, tricks and tools of the design industry. We're going to be sitting down and hearing from industry experts who will share some really unique advice and perspectives on how to make a bigger impact with your design business and with your designs. Whether you're an interior designer, a cabinet maker, building designer, architect or student, we believe that you're really going to enjoy these episodes. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the KBC Design Podcast with your host Hendrik. Um, for today's episode, I actually got better at interviewing people, <laughs> which is awesome because when I first started this off, it was actually pretty hard to sort of come up with questions on the spot and it's actually really hard to interview someone. It's not an easy task. Sort of like you gotta, you gotta have the right questions you wanna ask them and at the same time you want the conversation to move smoothly. So I think I'm getting better at this. I feel, I feel more comfortable. Um, and obviously I hope you guys are enjoying these interviews because that's the main reason why we're doing it is to educate our listeners. So I hope you're enjoying this, this series so far. Um, so for today I interviewed Esti Formoso from Matsi Homes, and they actually specialize in high-end luxury interiors and kitchens and architecture. So, so we got to hear about what happens when you have a more expensive budget and you have a client with a more expensive taste. So let's go have a listen. Mm-hmm. So I'm here with Esti. Formoso, and she works at Matsi Homes as a design coordinator. So welcome, welcome to the podcast, Essie. Thank you. Um, and would you mind just giving us a quick overview of what you do? So what you sort of said to me on the phone, just to give our viewers an idea. Yes. So uh, my role is, is quite complex. So I work for a, a luxury custom builder uh, based in Melbourne and I am uh, the coordinator there of all the finishes. So essentially we uh, build for clients and we follow their brief um, and we choose all the materials. So starting from all the external materials of the facades, that could be the bricks, the front door, the roof tile, etc., garage door, and then through to the interiors, uh, which is all the floor coverings, all the joinery, bench tops, wall colors. So it's, it's the entire... Uh, everything that you see, that you touch, and that you feel, we we talk about with the clients. Okay, and that's all residential. It is. Okay, it is. and you told me you actually work from home, so you work I on do. two jobs. Yes, yes. So I have a, a second job, which okay. is um, promoting my my partner's company. So it's also uh, related to interior design. So they're they're an importer of. Um, of tiles and, and other surfaces, so from uh, Spain and Italy into Australia. 
Okay. Um, the business has been going for about a year, but now there, there has been a focus on um, social media right. um, and make sure that the Instagram and LinkedIn and, and perhaps other platforms are up to date. And that is my role to um, make sure that we, we post valuable content, um, articles, etc. And, and so far it's going really well. Okay. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, so yeah. as a design coordinator, um, mm-hmm. what is the typical job duties you have? Just to, uh, to give a quick overview. A co- quick overview. Well, essentially is to make all the selections uh, for the clients, so all the interior design selections. So mm-hmm. as I said, um, as I said, it, it, bathrooms and kitchens are the main sort of the heart of, of the home. So our clients want to pay particular attention to those areas. Okay. Um, so we get a brief from them as to what colors they, they are into, what, what color scheme, what finishes, what, um, what materials, what budgets. Um, actually, it's another very important thing, how they live their lifestyles. Um, uh, do they have kids? Are they heavy, uh, you know, cooking wise? Do they use mm-hmm. a lot of spices? So there's a lot of things and then sort of a mini interview process that goes through before the selections are made. Okay. Um, and I just want to ask, cause I'm really curious, is your name Italian? It's Spanish. Oh, so Spanish. I'm, I'm Spanish and okay. you probably notice my, my accent. I can hear yours as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I, I am Spanish, but my, my partner and I met, um, overseas and he's, he's Australian. So I'm, I'm an Australia for love. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Um, so how, so you have a interior design degree or what's your sort of background? I do. Yes. So, um, I did a, a course actually back, back in England. Um, although okay. I'm, I'm from Spain, I moved when I was a teenager, I moved to mm. England and, and I lived there and, and then I met my partner there. So while I was living in, in London, I did a, an interior design, uh, course. Um, so it's, uh, it was a two year, it wasn't a degree, it wasn't a university, <clears throat> but, um, I, I feel that that combined with the passion that I have for interior design, it actually took me to places that, um, it has actually exceeded my expectations. So, mm. um, yeah, that is what I studied. So were you expecting <clears throat> to, uh, kind of just look around for work and fall into a role or did you have a specific idea of what, what you wanted to do after you finished studying? Um, well, I've always had an interest in, um, in interior design, in, in building, generally speaking, my, my dad is a construction foreman and he would always growing up he would always take me on side and show me um what he did and he was very proud of the of mm. the monuments that he produced and so there was always that sort of um understanding of of the trade okay. um, but then i i wasn't sure what i wanted to do when i was younger so i actually went to to be a flight attendant <laughs> for many years <laughs> okay for many years i worked for british airways um that's really but interesting then, Yes, it is. But, but what happens is that it is, it's quite an unhealthy uh, job. Although mm. it's, it's, you, know, you, you get to stay in beautiful hotels and, um, and my partner traveled with me. It's and quite demanding. It is. Well, you're always uh, jet lagged. And, okay. um, and if you think of starting a family, having mm. kids, then that is not, it doesn't go hand in hand. So um, when I was 20, 22, I believe I thought, okay, what would I like to settle and, mm. and what is my real passion and what would I like to do for the rest of my life? And 
Um, and so I fell back into, I guess, listening to, to my dad and, and the passion that he had for what he did. And, and I have it too. So that is, um, is I've, I definitely found my, my calling now. Right. Oh, that's really good. And, and as a design coordinator, um, in terms of like the job demand, is it, is it a bit easier or is it demanding in a different way? Um, it is demanding, um, I say, due to, due to our clients. Our clients, the, the nature of the business, they build mm. luxury homes. So they get very inspired from, uh, from the trends that come out of Europe. So the, some of them I visit the, the fairs where mm. uh, all the newest uh, materials and, and lighting and, and joinery, you know, all things interior design come out of there. And, and so they come back to Australia uh, full of inspiration and they follow um, international magazines. And, and when they sort of come to us, they have this really high-end product, really high expectation mm. for th these homes are, are their dream homes. They're, they're highly accomplished uh, you know, business owners and successful people. And so mm. their homes have to be of a, of a certain caliber. And so it is demanding because we have to meet that expectation. Right. But I feel that if you, if you love... Uh, you know, the, the, your trade and, and your industry, such as I do, I, I actually love doing the research and, and finding that product for them. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all good. So they have really expensive taste. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, yes, yes and no. I, and, and that okay. is why, and that is the tricky part, that good design doesn't necessarily have to be expensive. It has mm. to be creative. Yeah. Um, it has to meet a, a brief and, and, you know, break through and, and, build build something of, a, of an international quality and um and here is the challenge that it doesn't necessarily have to be expensive mm. so so what are you guys working on at the moment oh we're working on on projects all over melbourne and, and they usually are in suburbs that are um quite opulent i would say so mm. bayside um i'm not sure if you're familiar with some of the areas here in Melbourne. Um, so Bayside is, is one area that we build a lot and another one is, is the okay. inner suburbs of, of Melbourne too. Mm. And, the, and the kind of projects, so they're all residential. Most of them are double stories, um, okay. homes. Um, and they, they are very contemporary actually. So we have an architect that works very close with us and his mm -hmm. firm, it is an ultra, relatively modern, all very sort of angular homes, box on box okay. sort of thing. A uh, lot of cantilevers and stuff like that? Yes. Okay. Yes, a lot of it. Yeah. Interesting. So when you start off with designing a space for one of mm -hmm. these, um, let's say, rich businessmen, <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you typically start off with in your conceptual stage? Um, so, so internally? Internally? Yeah. So the the one thing I, I like to follow an order and, and with this um, principle, I don't think there is a, a right or wrong here. Um, mm. But my, my principle is that um, I, I get the vision. I, I ask them for their vision. So um, I try to get a snapshot of, of what it is that they have in mind. So if they have a Pinterest uh, collection of images or um, some of them, they come with folders or, or iPads. And, and so that gives me, they essentially download onto me what is it that they're looking for. 
Okay. Um, so I understand uh, when I when I search for the for the adequate materials and finishes, then then that I'm meeting the brief that they have given me. So that's that's step one. Mm. Um, and then when when it gets to the the selections, I start from the ground up. So one of the thing, one of the first things that we select is floor coverings. Okay. So um, generally speaking, there are three. Mm-hmm. which is timber flooring is king nowadays. So your entry and living areas. Yeah. Some clients do towels still, but, but most, most of our clients will do timber flooring. Um, so the, the second material would be carpet, if applicable for, for the bedrooms. And mm-hmm. then the third is, is your floor tiles for the bathrooms. Okay. Um, so once we have the floor coverings, then essentially we work our way up through to joinery. So, Again, kitchens and bathrooms being extremely important, but but not just that. We also do joinery in, in studies and uh, TV units and mm. uh, bars, and um, we have a, a client that is building a, a golf alley <laughs> um, and a pool house, so all sorts of all sorts of things. Wow. And then after joinery, of course, bench tops, uh, wall colors, wall coverings that could be uh, timber, tiles. This this. Endless numbers of, of mm. possibilities and, and lighting. Lighting is another very important element of the home. Okay, so you sort of start off. So you start off with the floor finishes, and then you move to like the wall coverings and the interior conceptual design. Yes, um, correct. And then for the kitchen, how do you do? You just create one huge open space, or how do you normally start off with the kitchen design? Well, so my, my role, um, essentially, we, we select the finishes. We are very lucky that we have an architectural firm and they, they look after the clients in, in regards to the, the drawings. Mm. So, um, and I get presented with a, a set of full architectural drawings. So I can already see the kitchen. Um, and in regards to the layout, how many uh, pot drawers would they like, how many cutlery drawers, um, uh, cupboards do you need more pantry space how big is your fridge um, therefore we have to design around it so all those questions we would ask and of course if the drawings need modifications I would mark them up and, and they will mm. go back to the architect for for amending okay so so what's some typical problems you ex- you've normally experienced in in the kitchen design phase in the kitchen design ah uh, well the challenges that we face is uh, always is budget, not necessarily mm. challenges, but um, we feel that because the clients have such high expectation, um, we discuss the finishes and then we price them. And when, when the, the prices return, sometimes the, the clients, if they really want something, they'll, they'll find the money for it. Mm. But others will say, actually, I have a budget for the house and this is, this is over my budget. So okay. <laughs> then it go, it, we go back to the drawing board and, and it actually takes a few goals until the kitchen is right, but mm. it also fits the budget. So that, that is always a challenge. Right. Um, another, not a challenge, but this is always a um, an interesting conversation. Is uh, bench tops. Mm. Um, most of our clients are looking for a material that it is authentic, so <clears throat> they will be looking for a natural marble or a limestone or um, a Calcutta or. But they they come with disclaimers. So obviously, the way that you use that kitchen, therefore, will have to be a, a little bit more careful with 
wine, lemon juice, spices. Mm -hmm. So um, they, they, we always have the debate between do I go with, with the beautiful and the authentic knowing that it is, is going to be harder to live with or mm -hmm. do I go with a material that is, is not authentic, it is close, but it's not quite right. It's also not going to cost me that, that much more. Um, you know, some people have families and kids and, mm. and they live in the kitchen. So the, again, there isn't a right or a wrong answer here. We assess their lifestyles and, and we hopefully land on the material that is, is more appropriate for them. Right. So essentially some bench tops are more delicate and could be more expensive at the same time, whereas some might be a little bit cheaper, but they're more durable or how, how, how would it normally go? So anything that it is uh, a natural um, organic material, such as mm. marble, um, it, it is it is more delicate because it's porous. Okay. And that and that would happen with anything that it is uh, natural, such as natural timber on the floor or or an, a brick that is made of natural clay. Mm. Um, obviously, it's exposed to the weather, so it, it might fade or change in color or stain a little bit faster. So when we talk about the, the bench top in particular, um, yeah. then if you compare the beauty of a natural stone, but also the fact that it's delicate with something like a, a reconstituted stone, which is a man-made product, mm. uh, products that, um, you know, they are pressed and, and essentially oven baked and oven cooked to make sure that it is very dense and those holes, the size of the holes, we're talking about tiny little holes, mm. but they're, they're minimized, which means that um, you can put hot pots in there and, and as I said, spices, lemon juice, and it, it would not mark or fade. Um, but then the downside to that is that there are, there are although there are beautiful products that simulate a marble bench top, it's, mm. it's a print at the end of the day. So right. um, the they can fool some people, but um, if you have a keen eye, mm. you, you could tell that it's not, it's not real. It is a copy of an authentic product. So mm. as I said, this is always an interesting conversation to have with the clients. Right. And you have to have that conversation to meet the expectations. Yes, absolutely. We all, this is, this is something that we always talk about it and, and often, several times we talk about and, and for instance husband and wife they'll look at each other and they they will you know they picture their lifestyles and then one would would say let's go for the stone because I appreciate the beauty of it I, I look at it every day and so that gives me joy mm. um, and usually the the female would say something like that and then the female and then the male would say something along the lines of um, you know let's go for something that is not that expensive and that it is more durable so um so yes also most of the time we go for the authentic the, the beauty of it it really sells mm. um the product yeah okay and and so with your kitchen space how how would you typically want it to relate to the other surrounding spaces Oh, extremely important. Uh, nowadays, um, every, every single home that we do, the kitchen is part of the living area. Okay. Um, so actually, we, we go a step um, beyond now. It's actually, it's actually a new thing that we are developing within the company, which is selecting of furniture. Mm. Um, not just building the, the home itself, but also to go and, and provide a finished product. So 
the kitchen is, is extremely important in relation to the rest of the living area. So say that you have a, um, joinery that has a timber grain mm. then the furniture selections have to be of the of the same timber grain or or, or at least that they complement um, each other because obviously having you know a, a sort of a honey color um, a timber such as for example example Australian uh, chestnut and then to mm. have an oak which doesn't have any honey or yellow whatsoever on the joinery that is going to be a discrepancy there so uh, we always ask the question as to, is there any furniture that you're bringing into the home? Um, if the answer is no, it's actually easier for us because we can go and shop for something that is going to complement uh, the kitchen. So um, how else? Uh, everything everything is related. It's like, it's like almost the human body, you know, the skin and the hair and the eye color and mm. everything creates a, a person and, and the home is, is, is like that. Or, or I also describe it sometimes as the way that you dress yourself in the morning, then you pick your shoes and your suit and, and your mm. tie and your jewelry and your makeup. So, so everything has to be thought about in, in conjunction, not, not individually. Right. Cause now let's say for example, you have a great kitchen and you know, you're bringing over some friends. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these spaces I've seen, they seem to have like a, connection with the outdoors and then there are these mm. huge sliding do sliding Absolutely. doors that open up to the pool and Absolutely. have you guys done anything crazy like that yes yeah it's not crazy i i think every home um has an alfresco or an outdoor entertaining area of, of some sort okay um and actually it continues through with um outdoor kitchens so we do right. a lot of them um the australian lifestyle is one that we live, uh, you know, we live outside. We have a pools. Again, nine out of ten of our homes will have uh, pools. Um, we cook a lot of barbecues. Is, is the Aussie dish to mm -hmm. have a barbecue. So, um, again, the, the joinery colours of the outdoor living have to complement uh, the the internal finishes. So, absolutely, you're right. Very important right. the connection there. Um, and also, a lot of these spaces I've had a look at they tend to be very open. So for example, if you're like standing in the kitchen, you can kind of see through the lounge and you can see through to outside and mm -hmm. you can see through to the front door. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? Yes, it's a very popular layout. Okay. Uh, and it's also very versatile, especially for families. Again, nine out of 10 of our, of our clients, and, and I can speak from, I guess, from my particular field, mm. uh, would be families. So um, you know, if you think of how the families live, you know, mom or dad might be making uh, dinner and the kids are outside or, or in the living area and allows the, the adults to really see what everyone is doing. And, and you know, we, another thing that is happening um, now a lot is to have sort of kids play areas or rampuses near the, the kitchen and, and, and that sort of, again, the heart of the home, just so you can keep an eye on what your children are doing. Um, and make sure that they are safe. So it's all very much connected. Mm. And I want to ask you this question now. Um, do, you, do you see any specific trends that the kitchen and bathroom industry is moving into, like any interesting things you've noticed? Oh, good question. Good question. Um, 
Good question. I think um, there, there is always a demand for, um, as I said before, the, the authenticity of the products, mm. such as the, the marble bench tops. And then uh, with joinery, what I'm, what I'm seeing at the moment is that um, there's a, there's, there has always been a demand for real timber veneer. So essentially what that means is that a tree's slice very finely and then that that veneer is applied to the to your kitchen cupboards mm. but it's it's actually highly impractical um, okay even more impractical than than the bench tops and so um so when i say impractical because it is a veneer and it is timber if you can imagine you're always cooking on your kitchen and you might have oily hands and as soon as you yeah. touch that that timber, which again is porous, even though it, you know it has a ceiling and a coating protecting the, the surface, mm. um, you can very very easily ruin that kitchen. And then it's not easy to replace because right. that that entire kitchen might come from one tree, and so to to find a tree that looks exactly the same <laughs> as the other tree that you use it's for quite difficult. It is very difficult. So mm. I, I think that the trend and the demand at the moment is going for for materials that that replicate as close as possible the authenticity of, that it was intended so in this case timber joinery but that it is it is durable as well mm. so products such as laminate and there are huge national brands such as laminates and polytech which to to some extent are considered non opulent yeah. because they are there are laminates. I feel that people are going back to that because they look fantastic nowadays. They come with a texture, mm. um, so not only they look like timber, but when you when you touch and feel that they feel like timber as well. Um, the, the, one of the latest advancements is that now they come, some of them uh, fingerprint less, okay. um, which means that they, again, they don't leave those fingerprints. So although it's not the authentic timber, it, it really, it, it looks like, like it is. So mm. I feel, and, and, and then again, budget wise, it's not as expensive. So yeah. um, although I feel it's slightly different from the benches where people are still quite happy to invest in their bench tops because at the end of the day, you could clean uh, a stain. Mm. But with a joinery, it's less risky, I think. People are going back to the laminate finish because it is durable and it looks just as good. Mm. And I mean, with the, with the joinery, you're not really going to see it so... Yeah, so it, if it is a laminate, once again, it's, it's a laminate, uh, it's a man-made product. Mm. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not as porous, not as delicate. So um, if you have, um, if you specify a product that it, it is um, fingerprintless and it is completely, it's a, it's a pre-finished product that it doesn't have any, um, it doesn't come with any disclaimers. So yeah, very, very popular. Okay. And uh, with your estimations, do you typically give your clients um, an estimate based on what what they are willing to pay for the project, or do you come back afterwards after the project's done to give them the final pricing? Uh, no, no. So, uh, so. Uh the first option that you described. So when, when we do the selections, a client ask, um, SD, what that, that you are describing sounds mm. incredible, but how much is this going to cost me? So this is, this is a sort of two part conversation. We always talk about budget and we never, we never yeah. hide from it. 
Um, so at, at that point, um, I give them an estimate of, say, the, the kitchen or the bathroom or the floor that they are thinking of specifying. Mm -hmm. But I always say that we have to get this properly uh, quoted by our estimating team. Yeah. So, um, so say a week or two weeks later, I present the variation to them. Um, and in relation to how close are my estimates to, to the accurate, accurate quoting that we get done afterwards, it actually, that, ex that comes with experience. So if you okay. have, if you have, um, a lot of experience and you have specified the same material, um, say a two pack kitchen, mm -hmm. uh, for instance, versus a laminate kitchen. So if they're upgrading to the two pack and and you think, okay, that material, I know approximately how much it is. Yeah. And looking at the size of this kitchen, I approximate that it, it might be $10,000, for example. So um, the quote might be 10 and a half or might be eight and a half, but, uh, but it is within the ballpark figure of where, where it's indicated. And they understand that. They, they mm -hmm. you know, I, I explained that, you know, I'm not, I'm not an estimator. And so that would be properly quoted and represented to you. Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes um, a reselection is required. So if something it is a lot more than what we thought, or if um, you know three or four upgrades add up to a lot, or they have changed their mind for whatever the reason, sometimes we need to reselect materials. Mm. Yeah. Um, so essentially, with experience, you're able to build up your material library. Like in your head, you can kind of remember what mm. what the different materials are and what the costs of those things are. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, when you interact with your clients, because you said you work at home, so how do you how do you typically interact with them? So my, my full-time job, uh, mm -hmm. which is interior design coordinator, I, I work in the office. So there okay. is a showroom. Uh, there is a showroom, um, and we have a, a library of materials that we pull out of the drawers and we put them in front of clients and essentially we create a mood board. Mm. Um, yeah. So I do, I do meet with them face to face. Okay. And now in this initial stage, when you're just kind of gathering ideas and trying to establish a brief, mm -hmm. um, what would you say are some, some of the important questions that you need to ask your clients or some that you typically ask them? Um, oh, there is a checklist that I go through. So, okay. um, so colors. So mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to be a specific color, but dark color scheme, light color scheme, a bit of both. Um, they might have kids that their favorite color is pink or purple or green. So um, that gives me, you know, inspiration and, and sort of clues to work to work with. Um, so the color scheme, uh, budget, yeah, always important. So the budget is, is, uh, is something that we talk about, particularly if they have finances in place mm. um, and if they have discussed a particular amount with, with the bank, then, then there's not a lot of flexi flexibility that we have to stick to a budget. Okay. Um, what else do we talk about? We, we always, um, I, we ha we ask them a, a lot of questions, a lot of questions, and sometimes they, they it's a lot to discuss. But just mm. it is to make sure that the house it is really tailor made for them. So questions that we might ask them that might be a little bit out of the ordinary. Say that if you might have a sliding door going to the alfresco. There are 
and that door might have four panels. There are different types of uh, doors. So you might have, uh, for instance, it's called a bipassing door. So imagine those four panels split in the center and then they open um, sideways. Yeah. Or they might have um, a stacker door. So out of those four panels, they all retract into one panel, giving you a, a much broader space to walk in and out. Mm. Uh, we, we ask them... Uh, questions in relation to furniture in relation to lighting um do you like a pendant light for instance above your dining dining table which you know will give you a very sort of directional light a mm. very sort of restaurant hotel like you know having having your dinner everything's is in the dark but you might have just your pendant above your dining table um so there's a, there's a lot of things that um, we, we ask the basics as well as the, the finer detail of the home. Yeah. yeah, we go through everything. And and with your client, because I assume this this has a lot to do with how you start your design. Um, in terms of their personality and mm. maybe some hobbies they have, how do you normally work that into the design? Well, that, that actually comes through. Um, mm. we, we talk about it, but it also, as soon as you establish a relationship with your client, you, you get to see how formal they are. Mm. Uh, what, what jobs do they have? Do they work from home? Do they travel a lot? Um, do they have family that come from overseas and therefore that we need a guest bedroom that has an ensuite and it really is, you know, of a high end um, quality because they want to impress their guests or, uh, there's, as I said, there are so many things to, mm. to go through. And, and a lot of the time they are the ones telling you and asking you the question, you know, that, that what they like and what they don't like and what they, they expect from us. So mm. although there is a checklist that we follow, um, is the nature of custom building that every, every home is a little bit different. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think what to ask you next because <laughs> I'm just trying to process all that information. Yeah. I'm not actually a kitchen designer myself, so I'm actually learning quite a lot. Yeah, good. Well, appliances is a really important part of the kitchen. Mm. Um, so yeah, do you want to talk a bit more about appliances? Uh, yeah, so appliances... Um, uh, so a very popular trend in the past few years is to have everything integrated. Mm. Um, so most of the, of the fridges that we do are concealed. Some concealed uh, okay. means that they have, they have a, a piece of joinery to the front of mm. the, of the fridge, which means that it essentially disappears. Yeah. Um, I actually saw that. Um, I interviewed these guys previously, Walkai Design. And they showed me this kitchen with all the appliances, but like you can kind of close it all up. So it yes, looks like right. it doesn't exist. Yes, that's right. Okay. So, so having a, a fridge concealed, it is, it is very much the norm nowadays. Mm. But then um, the, in the industry is going actually a step ahead and, and concealing everything else. So from microwaves to cooktops to mm. another thing that it is, um, you know, extremely popular, popular is concealing of the range hood. So the range hood and the fridge, it is, it is almost, uh, you know, decided that those two are going to be concealed. But 
even even taps um kitchen mixes i have seen the ones that they are retractable so that they are there but you can actually push them into the the bench job wow that's crazy um, <laughs> and they, and and essentially the the kitchen becomes a piece of art and, and a piece of furniture that you look at and you admire instead of wow. um, a usual space yes there are there are some beautiful kitchens out there that follow that principle yeah that's really crazy yeah, this guy that I interviewed, actually, um, he was talking about, because they designed some kitchens for uh, a disabled client. So uh -huh. essentially, they made the whole kitchen so that it takes the least amount of effort to operate it. Oh, right. So you can literally walk through the kitchen, push this button, this pops up, like, right. click this and this thing opens. So it's, it's quite insane to think about right. that. Right, and was it aesthetically pleasing as well as being functional? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. It takes a lot of thought to create something like that. Mm. Yeah, it seems really interesting to think about. Yes, absolutely. The kitchens are moving in that direction. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, appliances are, are concealed. And then um, the way that our clients use their appliances um, is extremely important. So are they, um, are they clients that cook um, a lot or, or are they not? We, we have a lot of um, clients that are of a nation background that don't require an oven. Okay. Um, which for, for the Australian market is, is almost inconceivable, but um, they use their wok burner the most um, mm. and, and sometimes a rice cooker and, and that is all they use. Um, so a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of our Asian clients, they do have an oven, but they say, well, I'm having it just because one day I might sell the home and, and it's expected to have it there, but I don't need it. Mm. Um, then the way, the way that the appliances are cleaned are, are another important thing. So you might have heard of uh, paralytic ovens, which are self-cleaning. Okay. Um, so which, which are very, very popular. So mm. um, what happens is that um, they have a self-cleaning function, which means that obviously there will be nothing on your oven and, and this uh, one of the options that you choose and it... it, it fires at the temperature to really, really high temperatures and everything falls off the surface mm. of, of the oven and then you just wipe um, whatever's in the bottom. So um, some clients don't need that. Others do. They say that, you know, I, I, cleaning the oven, it takes a whole day. Therefore, they don't want to, you know, to have that inconvenience. Um, and then cooktops that are gas or induction is another important uh, discussion to have. Mm. Uh, gas is the conventional and what most people is used to, but then um, induction is it's really fast, it's really powerful okay. um, and very easy to clean. Essentially, just wipe it. Mm. Um, and, and, and all of them come with different price tags. So as I said, it's, it's a, a conversation about the lifestyle, the budget and, and the aesthetics. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll land in the, in the right choice for them. Mm. Well, that sounds really interesting. Um, it is. What I want to just quickly move on because we're almost running out of time. Yeah. Um, so I just want to ask you more about the business side of things, which I hope uh, you'll be able to answer. Mm -hmm. um, how do you guys go about growing the business and ensuring the medium to long-term success? Like how do you guys grow? 
Well, our management team um, actually go to seminars and, and that, that would be not part of my role, but mm. there are three directors in the company and they, um, they're all very much dedicated and, and focused on creating a strong brand. Um, so the company is relatively young. It has been operated for around six years, but, um, but after, um, after the six years that it has been going, that there is such, uh, there's such a focus on, on creating a strong brand because we can advertise on social media and, um, the different platforms. But at the end of the day, that might go one day and what really remains is your brand. Mm -hmm. So what they're focusing on is to, to make sure that all our homes have a, a certain personality that um, that have certain colors and material selections that you know we create that continuity between between all of them sometimes I feel that not just with with uh, say homes as a brand but also mm. with other brands that if you try to please everyone um, your brand is confused and mm. you might you might not have a particular niche or a particular market and, and clients don't come to you they might they might happen to to build with you but what we really are aiming for is to make sure that our clients seek us for mm. our brand and our aesthetic so um although it might get us less clients at the beginning because it you know we are focusing in one demographic mm. i think in the long term um it will be worth it so as I said, although I'm not, I'm not involved with, you know, with my full-time job very much on that, my, you know, my partner also has a business and this is, these are conversations that, um, very important conversations that are happening. Mm. Mm. Um, so essentially it's really important to focus when you're starting your own design business to focus on your niche market. Look, I, I believe so, uh, mm. with the understanding that also on those first few years, it might be a little bit difficult because you, you want to get work and, and as much work as you can is, is one of uh, the challenges of a startup, the fact mm. that, you know, you need to build, um, you know, your, your clientele. And so, but at the, at the end of the day, what you might choose to show on your social media feed might be of just one particular lane. Just mm. so you can you can still create that that brand. And one thing I always I always talk about this actually. If I think of car brands such as Audi or Mercedes or one one particular brand that does it very well is Volkswagen um, and and the Golf mm. in particular. The Golf is a car that if you if you think of a Golf 15 years ago, it almost looks identical to the ultra modern Golf that we see on the streets nowadays. Mm. And I feel that it is part of the reason why it's such a popular car is because it is a classic a brand and a classic shape that people are familiar with. And other brands such as Mazda, for example, I love Mazda cars. They're very attractive, but every, every five years, the car changes so much that it's almost unrecognizable to what it was 10, 15 years ago. And it's still a popular car, but I feel that their branding strategies hmm. are a little bit less um, effective that, than a car like a Naudi or a Mercedes or, or a Volkswagen. So um, branding above all, I think is, is such an important thing to keep in mind. Right. It's about, so I guess for you guys, it would be about achieving that timeless brand quality. Yes, yes absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we're actually running out of time. So I'm just going to ask you one last question. Yeah. 
Um, I want to know what is next for you. <laughs> good question. Uh, good question. Well, actually, there are so many things and so many interesting things that are happening around me at the moment. I'm I'm a mom of two. I'm I'm a mm. really busy um, person. Actually, I have a full time job. I have another job on the side. I have my kids. And I have my passion for interior design. Um, for, for now, I am really content. One day, perhaps I'd like to have my own business and I'm sort of street, strategically planning in the background what mm. I'm thinking, I guess, what, what is it that I would like to do uh, when the kids go to school and, and I have a little bit more time up, up my sleeve because they're only, they're only three years old. Um, but um, I'm not sure. Watch the space. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I want to thank you for doing this interview. Thank um, you for I've having me. I've learned a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, good.